This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, March 9th. I'm Robert Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, we share Rob's interview with the Reverend Dean Nelson, Executive Director of the Human Coalition Action. He explains how his coalition is promoting the value of every human life. He also shares how the life and legacy of Frederick Douglass is impacting communities to this day. We also have your letters to the editor, and Virginia brings us a good news interview with Scott Pressler, the conservative activist who is traveling the country to pick up trash in America's inner cities. Before we get to today's show, Rob and I want to tell you about a popular resource for lovers of the Constitution. It's the Heritage Foundation's Guide to the Constitution. More than 100 scholars have contributed to create a unique line-by-line analysis of our Constitution, and it's all available to you for free on the Heritage Foundation's website. The guide is intended to provide a brief and accurate explanation of each clause of the Constitution as envisioned by the framers and as applied in contemporary law. If you want to gain a deeper understanding of our founding document, visit heritage.org slash constitution or simply search Heritage Guide to the Constitution. Now stay tuned for today's show coming up next. We're joined at The Daily Signal by Dean Nelson, uh, Reverend Dean Nelson. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Fantastic event. Great to be here. You are the executive director of the Human Coalition Action. Tell us about the organization and the work you do. Certainly. So Human Coalition Action is a brand new entity, uh, C4, uh, spun off from our C3 Human Coalition. Uh, We like to say uh, hope, innovation, and service. Human Coalition has grown over the last 10 years to be one of the largest pro-life organizations in the country that serves women and rescues children. And so we do that uh, by using technology and uh, big data, uh, connecting with women primarily uh, online uh, who are seeking an abortion, and we give them a variety of options. That's great. Um, you know, it's such an it's an issue that's been uh, really dominating in the news uh, with some of the overreach we've seen on the left. Uh, and we just had a right. couple of big votes in the U.S. Senate uh, on this issue. So talk a little bit more about how you go about doing that work uh, in, in ways that are different, because I'm curious, uh, particularly with use of big data and how effective that is. It's, uh, it's a great question. So for the last 10 years, primarily Human Coalition has concerned itself with how do we engage with women who typically don't know that they have any options and connect those women to a life-affirming uh, pregnancy uh, women's clinic. And then we connect them to uh, a host of social services that they might need to ultimately help them to make a choice that's healthy for, obviously, themselves and for their unborn children. And so we, um, we use, when we say big data, we, we collect uh, information from like the 100,000 women that we'll talk to uh, every year. Um, most of them uh, black and brown women, and uh, we'll use that to help inform us how to better connect with these women, particularly in urban communities. And so as a result, uh, many states, including Texas, North Carolina, and Georgia, have now come to us uh, asking us how do we do this effectively to engage women for a whole host of services in vulnerable communities. And, and tell us about these, these pregnancy help centers, because they are numerous in terms of their availability now. Uh, particularly, you hear a lot in the media about Planned Parenthood, but 
these 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 centers exist very much as well uh, across the country and states all over the place. That's exactly right. So you know, over the last you know forty years, you've seen these grow uh, around the country. Almost now, some estimates about three thousand wow. of these pregnancy centers that are there. And Human Coalition got involved in this process to kind of connect women to these pregnancy centers. But one of the challenges was is that they're kind of you know, grassroots entities. They're not necessarily uniformed. And so out of that, many of those uh, pregnancy centers joined the Human Coalition family to kind of provide a more systematic um, approach to engaging with these women with high-quality service. And so that's what Human Coalition has done with our women's clinics. But even we've gone one step further with our innovation where we actually have now online the opportunity to counsel women even if they don't come into the clinic. And so um, we've pioneered some innovation that the state of Texas uh, entered a, uh, a, a contract with us for uh, almost $10 million to help them better connect online with these women, provide the level of counseling, and then get them into a pregnancy center or a clinic to get an ultrasound. And then they go into our continuum of care funnel where we provide the services that they need, uh, not just by the time that they have the child, but even after they have the child. So women who might not have even known that these centers were available now by using technology are, are given an opportunity to have a different path. That's exactly right. Yeah. And our work, particularly in urban communities, it has been a breath of fresh air. We have a strategic partnership with the Church of God in Christ, one of the largest black denominations in the country, that has recently pr- sent out a, a resolution uh, affirming the sanctity of human life and the work of human coalition and organizations like us because we are concerned about the whole person, you know, that Imago Dei, you know, the, uh, the idea that all of us are created in the image and likeness of God. Now, you mentioned you're on the action side, so the, the <laughs> advocacy side. So are there some things that you're doing, particularly when it comes to maybe political organizing or grassroots? That's exactly right. So we're brand new on this side, but, uh, you know, I've done a lot of this, uh, you know, advocacy work, you know, for some time. And so what we're doing, particularly in the states where we have our own women's clinics, states where we have contracts and relationships uh, with the state government, uh, we've seen it our goal to be able to engage with more advocates that are not just saying, hey, we want to prevent abortion, we want to make abortion you know, unthinkable, but also we also want to engage with people who want to be advocates for women. Um, and that's something that we've done uh, starting in North Carolina and in Texas. And so we're uh, doing hearings at state legislators, uh, legislatures um, regarding the sanctity of human life. And uh, through our data, we've even found that there's a connection to human trafficking. And so we're building a grassroots network at the state level to basically go to these state legislatures and say, we need to provide these type of services for women and children. And it's been fantastic. We hope that uh, as we approach this election season that we'll be able to knock on hundreds of thousands of doors in these states, uh, engaging with uh, pro-life voters, uh, Catholic, Protestant, um, African-American, Hispanic, uh, white, basically to galvanize a uh, pro-life victory uh, this upcoming election season. And one more question on this topic. What does the data tell you, the the market research and the data that you've studied about this issue? I mean, it just seems to me that we see these polls that uh, that even a majority of Democrats, an overwhelming Mm -hmm. majority, wants to see abortion outlawed after 20 weeks. And yet you have a vote in the U.S. Senate where an overwhelming number of, of senators... Uh, Democratic senators uh, vote against that. So there seems to be a disconnect here. There is. And I think you wonder 
who the elected officials are beholden to. Are they beholden to their voters who, as you expressed, most of whom, I think 70 percent of people in this country, uh, Democrat, Republican, Independent, would like to see uh, abortion, you know, rolled back, you know, to a time period that, that you've expressed, particularly, the, you know, that number of weeks, 20 weeks. So what we've discovered is, is that they're not beholden to the voters. They're beholden to Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Yeah. And so we're trying to uh, rattle that cage. I spoke uh, a few months ago for Democrats for Life, uh, and we're working with independents, uh, Democrats, and Republicans to push forward on uh, a real strong pro-life platform. And uh, what we've discovered is many particularly in the African-American community, again, with the Church of God in Christ coming out with that strong pro-life resolution, many of them have said that the Democrat Party has gone way too far on this issue, and they're rethinking some of their allegiances as it relates to the sanctity of human life. And, and I should note that, of, of course, we believe that the life begins at conception. We want to see abortion eliminated entirely, not just after pregnancies uh, beyond 20 weeks. Well, you're, you're right. Uh, but, you know, even as we study, you know, you know, I'm on the Frederick Douglass Commission. Yes, you know, yes. Let's jump there, into there that. Were, there yes. were incremental, you know, right. steps that they had to take, you know, with regard sure. to uh, even though we, we knew and Frederick Douglass knew that, you know, slavery should be abolished. But it took processes. It took steps to do that. And so, so, Governor, I'm glad you brought that up. Governor Larry Hogan has appointed you to this commission uh, to honor Frederick Douglass. Tell us about Frederick Douglass, uh, particularly here uh, as we close out Black History Month, uh, who he was and why it's important to remember him. Man, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I live in Maryland. You know, Frederick Douglass, born in 1818, you know, in uh, Talbot County, Maryland. Uh, in my opinion, was probably one of the greatest American statesmen, you know, never holding elected office, but, you know, serving for five different presidents. Uh, everyone knows that he was a, a strong abolitionist, uh, but somebody who also was a licensed minister of the gospel. A lot of people don't know the early conversion experience that Frederick Douglass had in his faith particularly informed how he saw things. In fact, he said, I have one great political idea. He said the best expression of it is found in the Bible. It is in substance, righteousness exalts a nation. So he was borrowing directly from Proverbs in a lot of the expression that he used. He said the Bible was his favorite book. So anyway, there's a lot that we could say about Frederick Douglass as an early pioneer, somebody who uh, stood for what we say righteousness and justice and was a great abolitionist. And then once slavery was ended, helped to uh, get... You know, the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments passed as well. And so what are you doing in Maryland specifically to, to remember him? Well, just two weeks ago, we were there uh, at the unveiling of the statue of Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, okay. uh, both also yes. from, from Maryland. But typically we are doing uh, programs that focus on uh, criminal justice reform. Uh, human trafficking, which could be considered modern-day slavery, uh, strengthening the black family. Frederick Douglass was a strong proponent uh, of the black family, of course, not really knowing his family. Uh, so those are some of the programs that we're doing in the state of Maryland to highlight um, kind of the legacy, the life and legacy of the great uh, abolitionist Frederick Douglass, but also how people can be engaged today to carry on that legacy. I, I think it's so important that you're doing that work. You know, at the Heritage Foundation, we, we are committed to, to telling people about the history uh, yes. because so oftentimes we find in schools or other platforms, they're just not learning about it. And so to do that is, is critical. Uh, just recently on the Daily Signal podcast, we, we interviewed uh, Richard Finley uh, from Birmingham, hey. Alabama about uh. Booker T. 
Washington, and he told these incredible stories about his life. So thank you uh, for the work that you do. Yes, they are. They certainly are. Reverend Dean Nelson, thanks so much for joining The Daily Signal. Bless you, man. Thank you so very much. Glad to be here. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? If you want to understand what's happening at the court, subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show and in the Morning Bell email newsletter. Virginia, who's up first? In response to last week's podcast interview, ensuring civics education for the next generation, Wes P. writes, Sadly, not many children are being taught about the founding fathers and the significant freedoms that have been introduced to those settlers who came to this country. What a contrast from the monarchies they left behind. Today, they are being sold a false idea about equal rights and so-called freedoms, which will actually remove the ones they have already. Socialism takes away freedoms and personal property and gives it to the state that promises they will take care of you. In countries that have gone this route, they find out they are being micromanaged by the government and they don't get what they are promised because there simply isn't enough taxpayer money to do what they are promising. How foolish. And in response to last week's interview with Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry and Solicitor General Liz Merle on the Supreme Court case June Medical Services v. Russo, Ronald King writes to us, Thank you for your effort to educate the public in the matter of this case. Senator Chuck Schumer's rant and attempted intimidation of the Supreme Court is totally unacceptable. He deserves Senate censure. Your letter could be featured on next week's show. Send an email to letters at dailysignal.com. Or leave a voicemail message at 202-608-6205. What the heck is trickle-down economics? Does the military really need a space force? What is the meaning of American exceptionalism? I'm Michelle Cordero. I'm Tim Descher. And every week on the Heritage Explains podcast, we break down a hot-button policy issue in the news at a 101 level. Through an entertaining mix of personal stories, media clips, music, and interviews, we help you actually understand the issues. So do this. Subscribe to Heritage Explains on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts today. We have a good news interview to share with you all today. Scott Pressler is a conservative activist who's been traveling across the U.S. for months now, organizing volunteers to help clean America's cities. We interviewed Scott on this podcast last summer, and I just had the opportunity to catch up with him at the Conservative Political Action Conference and find out what he has been up to these past few months and whether or not he's still picking up trash, which, spoiler, he is. Take a listen to our conversation. I am joined on the Daily Signal podcast by conservative activist Scott Pressler. Scott, thank you so much for being here. I'm happy to. Love you guys. Yeah, so this is your second time on the podcast. So we're excited to catch up and hear a little bit about what you have been up to since we last spoke. You've been picking up trash in cities all over America. The first city you held a cleanup day in was Baltimore. Yes. You saw the situation there and how bad things were, and you took action. You organized volunteers, and you beautified the streets there in Baltimore. But what was supposed to be a one-time event quickly drew into something much, much larger. So tell us a little bit about how that happened, how it got so much bigger. 
Well, you know, after our first Baltimore cleanup where we picked up 12 tons of trash in 12 hours in one day, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of good at picking up trash. <laughs> and I didn't study waste management and sanitation in school, so this is all kind of new to me. But I was like, you know, I think we have something here. And why do I want to stop in Baltimore when I can take this nationwide? So it developed into me going into Austin. Baltimore, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, Portland, San Francisco. I mean, it's, it's been absolutely crazy. I've gone from coast to coast, picking up trash across the country, and people are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, basically, all I do is just say, hey, I'm coming to San Fran, and then hundreds of people volunteer and show up. And I always joke, it's like, I never imagined that people would actually have fun picking up trash, but you saw it. We actually had a really good positive, fun time, because I feel like people know, like, they're making a difference. Yeah, yeah. I attended one of your cleanup Mm -hmm. days in Baltimore. It was a great time. It was exactly that. People were excited to be there. Yeah. You don't really expect everyone to be so happy picking up trash, (laughs) but they were. (laughs) So how many cities have you visited now to to clean the streets? Um, I haven't counted, but yeah, the ones I just named, I'd say probably around 10 different cities. Wow. And uh, in August 2019 alone, we've picked up over 105 tons of trash and 50 of those tons alone were in Los Angeles. Wow. That's just hard to imagine. That's oh, a no, lot no. of it's trash. It's really hard to even picture, but yes, it's... Uh, several dozen dumpsters full of trash. Wow, wow. And all of your organizing and gathering volunteers, that's pretty much all done through Twitter, right? Oh, yeah. I just uh, post on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and say, I'm coming to San Fran. Boom, they show up. And it's funny because back in 2017, I've been picking up trash for years. That's the funniest part. And I'd be like, Virginia, you know, do you want to go pick up trash? (laughs) And people wouldn't always text me back, you know, because they probably thought I was weird. But now people across the country are saying, Scott, come to Oklahoma City, you know, come to L.A., come to Portland, come to Seattle, and I will help you. So it's funny. I always uh, joke that I'm kind of like the Tom Sawyer of politics because he always made whitewashing the fence fun. And I think what I'm doing is I'm making community service and picking up trash fun. So what does it mean to people? A total stranger comes into their community and says, I want to make it beautiful again. Yeah. What, what, what is the response that you've received? It's gratefulness, thankfulness. You know, I think of Baltimore and you may have heard her name, Miss Louise, uh, 81 years old, four foot, 10 inches tall. And she even invited us into her home. You know, these are complete strangers. She had 20 of us in her house. And um, Miss Delaney in Chicago. And it's not so much about what it means to them, but one thing that we did is in Los Angeles, when we picked up 50 tons of trash, we actually were able to get five homeless Americans safely off the streets and agreed into housing. So like, I want to make this clear, we're not only doing the tangible result of picking up trash, but like, we're really changing lives. We're changing minds, we're changing hearts, and it all comes from this can-do attitude. Yeah. Wow. So how can I find out if you're coming to my city or if I want you to come to my city? How can I get you there? Uh, ScottPressler.org. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, there's only one S in Pressler. You can also find me on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Scott Pressler. And uh, upcoming, I'm going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on March 14th. I'm going to Philly on April 4th. I'm going to Detroit, Michigan on April 2nd. And I will be doing a cleanup 
during the Democrat National Convention in Milwaukee. I love it. Now, your hands-on activism, Scott, it really is just so inspiring because you are walking out what you preach. Yes. What, what is your message to people that right now are hearing this and something is coming to their mind? They're, they're maybe thinking, well, I could pick up trash. Sure. Or they're thinking, oh, I, I know something I could do in my community that, you know, would help the people where I live. But, you know, they're, they're hesitant to take that step. What would you say to them? I'd say, well, you know, some people are like, what can I do? How, how can I get started or inspire people? Take action where you are. You don't have to pick up 50 tons of trash to be successful. It can be as simple as you going out with a garbage bag, walking your dog, picking up trash and cigarette buds along the street. Because you know what? People that are driving by are going to see you doing that action and be like, hey, good on that person. Maybe I can do that. And it creates a snowball effect. You know, you don't need dumpsters and everything to be successful. Pick a Saturday, go out and do a beach cleanup. Go where you are in your local community. It doesn't take a lot to become an activist in your city. Yeah. And your experience of of picking up trash has really taken you into some of the hardest areas in America. What have you really seen and experienced in those places? Well, you know, it's been hard because uh, as Americans, we live in the greatest, freest country in the world. And we are very privileged. We are. And the hardest thing for me is to see the homelessness. You know, I was just in San Francisco where we were actually protested for picking up trash. And I never thought I'd see the day as an adult that I was protested for cleaning up America. But that's okay. Uh, I was nice to them. I said, hey, do you want to help us? They, they didn't. <laughs> but that's okay. I went up to members of the homeless community. And I talked to them. And I wanted to respect their humanity and give them dignity and respect. And uh, one gentleman named Osiris, I said, you know, let me be candid with you for a second. How, how does it make you feel that you're an American, you're living on the streets here in San Francisco, but um, illegal immigrants are, are coming first, are being prioritized over you? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm angry and I think we should come first. So for me, this has been a, it's so much more than cleaning up trash. It's been a growing experience. I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about the world. Um, and, and I want to use my platform because not everybody in suburban America, not everybody in rural America understands the plight that's happening in our cities. And uh, I want to expose the truth that for some people, this reality they live in is their normal. That's normality. And I want to be there to offer a hand up. I want to be there to offer hope to people that are hopeless, and I want to take care of the people that are forgotten in America's forgotten American cities. And how do we do that? I mean, how do we actually go about bringing that effective change to the hardest and darkest places in America? Well, look, sometimes like in L.A., where five people have agreed to housing now because of our cleanup, sometimes even the simple action of coming in to do a cleanup can change five lives. And I (coughs) I think about this starfish story where... An old man saw a young woman, and there were starfish that had washed up on the beach. And he saw her, and she was flinging the starfish back into the ocean. And he said, what are you doing? You know, how could you possibly save all of these starfish? And the young girl picked up one. She threw it into the ocean, and she said, I made a difference to that one. And so, you know, we can't go into it thinking that we're going to save the world. We have to start small, think locally. But imagine... 
if each of us did something, something, we could transform America for the better. So whether it's donating to a homeless shelter or a women's shelter or doing a trash cleanup or even going to the homeless community and saying, you know, because we have two ears and one mouth for a listen. We need to go in and actually listen to these people. Stop talking and saying, what can I do for you? And give them the opportunity to actually tell us how we can make their life better. Yeah. So what's next for you? Are you going to slow down, stop no. picking up trash? You think I'm going to slow down? <laughs> no, I don't. You think I'm going to stop? I didn't even let pneumonia stop me. I, I faced know. worse monsters for years. Oh. So no, I'm th- this month I'm going to Houston. I'm going to Reno, Nevada. I'm going to Kent, Ohio. I'm going to Emmaus, Philly, Butler, Slippery Rock. I'm speaking at colleges. Basically, I will do whatever it takes because I give a darn. I care about my community. I bleed red, white, and blue. And I just hope that people... People listening to this podcast, people listening, you'll be inspired by what I have to say. And I hope that you will go out and do something to make your community better. Scott, thank you so much for your time. We really no, appreciate it. No, thank you it. very much. Thank you, Virginia. It's always so great to follow up with some of the amazing people that we've talked to on this show and see that they're really continuing to serve their communities and to fight for a prosperous America. But we're going to leave it there for today. The Daily Signal podcast comes to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. You can find it on the Ricochet Audio Network, and all of our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa flash briefing. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to other listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. We hope you have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, the Leah Rampersad, and Mark Guiney. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.